Hey y'all, this is Mel Offlerbach and you're listening to Green Juice and Tequila. Green Juice and Tequila represents the earthy, organic, natural vibes colliding with raw, imperfect, and unfiltered stories. Some of us can have it all together, y'all. Eating the latest health nut craze, drink our green juice, meditate every morning. But we also have a side that's vulnerable, real, and sometimes stressed. Life throws you curveballs, y'all, and that's okay. You can be both, green juice and tequila. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining in today on this episode. Um, I'm going to be your host and your guest, all, all bundled in one. We are going to be discussing topics that have to do with healthy eating and the dangers of healthy eating, which I don't think I've ever read a sentence with all of those words in one, but I think it's important that we kind of shed some light on points, how healthy eating can be dangerous and what that means. So there is a, it's not a new eating disorder. It's been around for a while, but it's becoming more and more common because we're starting to hit generations of fad diets, Um, things like keto and paleo. Those have all come about probably over the last 10 years. So the strict dieting or the strict eating um, lifestyles have become more popular. And so there are repercussions around that, you guys. Um, There's a topic that we're going to get into today called orthorexia nervosa. It's a eating disorder that's been identified since the late 90s. Um, It's becoming more and more common in people now because of what we just recently discussed, that healthy eating is kind of the new fad thing. Um, And especially in cities like Austin, Texas, um, where healthy eating and fad diets are really, really popular. Um, And when I say fad diets, I'm talking about like the gluten-free era, the dairy-free era. Um, You know, back in early 2000s, we were seeing the fat-free era. So there's some truth behind some of these, um, you know, eating lifestyles, but there's also some extremes with it. So that's what we're going to get into. So we live in uh, in a society, especially in cities like Austin, that are very health conscious where we obsess or strive to be healthy. So the idea of being too healthy um, as as being dangerous or turning into a problem, this is honestly a really confusing topic. Um, I've been health coaching and guiding people on eating lifestyles for over 10 years. Um, I'm an eating disorder recovery individual myself. So when I struggled with bulimia um, in my teenage years, healthy eating for me was what saved me from going down even deeper and darker into the journey of bulimia. And so when I started eating healthy, there was no longer this line of fear or anxiety around the foods that I was putting in my body that I knew that these foods were nourishing and good for me. So I had to develop a better relationship with my food. And in order to do that, I came under the umbrella of like, I'm going to start eating healthy. And that meaning like I'm going to be eating balanced meals and putting nourishment into my body, but it also became, um, it became a lifestyle that I felt so compelled to share with other people because it did get me out of this darkness that I was in. So 
becoming more aware of the topic of orthorexia, it was kind of, I was taken back at first when I started learning a little bit more about it and um, working with clients who are extreme with their dieting. I had a client of mine who was a very extreme vegan and she was sick, you guys. She had a lot of autoimmune diseases. She wasn't well, but she had such a compulsion and an obsession over eating healthy. And there was so much fear behind not eating healthy that even adding in something like a grain into her diet um, got her into a, this huge anxiety, almost like panic state. We, I always say this in any of the programs I ever lead. You guys, we cannot make an eating lifestyle a religious thing. You just can't. It's, you have to balance all of your foods out. You, ha- you can have green juice and tequila, my friends. There is a balance between having a lifestyle where you're happy and we're not striving to be these perfect eating individuals. And I can say that like, you know, social media sites too, like even myself, I see myself doing this, putting out there all of this like beautiful green juice or healthy eating and how that can be very confusing for the viewers or people being like, oh, that girl only eats healthy food all the time. No, y'all. That is not how it goes. Like that is, that's not healthy either. We can't have this obsessive relationship with eating dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, whatever it is. Like it, we have to, we have to actually address some of the emotional points underneath why we have that type of relationship with our food. So Let's just get right into this orthorexia nervosa and what this is. I'm going to give you guys a definition here. So it's a fixation in righteous eating. Um, People that care about eating healthy, especially those who are suffering with orthorexia, they care more about the quality and the purity of their food rather than the quantity of it. So there's an obsession with foods like um, being clean or raw or organic um, GMO-free, gluten-free, you know, all these buzzwords that we hear in kind of the wellness community. Also, there's points that intervene with the quality of life with this. Even the ability to engage in like social events and gatherings, there's this fear that if I go to this party, I'm going to eat cheese and crackers and that's going to make me feel bad and I'm going to have to spend the entire next day fasting or drinking green juice all day long to balance it out. That's kind of the mindset of an orthorexia individual. And sometimes, you guys, this can be so severe that it impacts your physical and mental well-being. And and in most cases, these people end up being malnourished rather than being, quote, healthy. So You know, I asked myself when I started getting into this a little bit more and understanding orthorexia, like, what are the signs and symptoms? You know, like uh, me personally, I strive on eating well because I feel good when I eat well. I feel good and I have energy when I have a green juice in the morning and then I have a smoothie or, you know, when I have um, dinner of like fish and rice and you know, roasted vegetables, like I feel satisfied and good afterwards. And when I have like a slice of pizza, sometimes I don't feel good afterwards. And so when I started learning more about orthorexia, it was kind of confusing because I'm like, okay, 
where is the line that we draw between it being unhealthy relationship with healthy food and it being okay? So some of the warning signs and symptoms that I've come across, even with current clients and just some of the research I've been doing, is the compulsive checking ingredients and nutritional facts. If you catch yourself doing that, y'all, that is not, that's anxiety. That's fear and anxiety that's coming out. Um, And some other warning signs are like cutting out food groups, like all sugar, all dairy, all carbs, all meat, all animal products. I've seen this so many times, like this thing, it kills me, the sugar topic between eating like a couple, a cup of sugar in comparison to like a cup of freaking blueberries. You guys, that sugar is not the freaking same. And it drives me bonkers when I hear people say sugar is sugar and they cut it all out, even fruit. Y'all, it is okay to have an apple. It is okay to have a banana. Like these uh, eating fruits is not going to cause cancer. It is not going to hurt you when we have fruit, especially in the summertime. Like you are supposed to be eating a shit ton of fruit because there's so much water in it and we sweat. We need to nourish our bodies. Our brains actually need the glucose. If you can imagine that. Um, Like I always tell people, I'm like, listen, when you go to a doctor way back in the day, there's that saying, a uh, apple a day keeps the doctor away. Or after you know your kid gets a shot, the doctor gives them a sucker. You know why? Because the sugar, the glucose, actually calms the neurological system down. So there is purpose and reason why we need to have fruits in our diet. Now, I do have a theory and a belief that if you are someone that has an overgrowth of like candida, which is yeast, you know, we want to limit the high sugar. Um, in certain fruits, like I don't want you to go eat like, you know, timbles of pineapple, you know, it's like, let's keep it to low glycemic fruits, like f- berries in the morning. Let's do it in the morning so our body can utilize the sugar correctly so we can start to starve some of the yeast. Now there's scientific, you know, case studies that back some of those theories up, but the fear of like constantly checking the sugar and the dairy and cutting all these stuff out forever is never going to be sustainable. Um, so a couple other warning signs, thinking about what food is is being served at an event the night that night or the night before, or anxiety about what safe, healthy foods aren't going to be available. And then there's body image concerns. So now we have some of these warning symptoms. It's like, okay, what are we going to do with all this? How are we not going to make this topic so confusing? I'm going to break this down into three parts. I am a firm believer with any type of eating disorder there is really strong undertones of some sort of emotion behind the compulsion. And the three parts that I'm going to break this episode down into is obsession, perfection and anxiety, and then fear. So this diet, it starts out being a restrictive diet. And maybe it's a response to an eating disorder like bulimia or anorexia, which is kind of, you know, what I kind of shared with it at the beginning of this podcast. And then we start to deem healthy foods as safe foods. So when I eat a simple salad for lunch, you know, people are like, okay, I'm going to stay skinny. I won't get sick or whatever the fear is. Like I have to have a healthy salad every single day. Or how about society says eat keto or even now all our health nuts out there, eat keto or cardio burns fat. And so now all of a sudden you're obsessed 
with having cardio five days a week and eating keto because that's what society is telling us is what's good for us right now. Or you need to drink a protein shake every single day because you're going to get the vitamins or blah, 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 whatever your body is needing at that point. So now you have this super strict, disciplined, healthy person that needs a protein shake and cardio and does keto only. So how is that different than having a New Year's resolution of wanting to eat better or eat healthier? So the difference is the emotional relationship with it. If you find yourself being that compulsive person, it's probably not healthy for you to get on a restrictive caloric intake counting type of diet or type of lifestyle. It's not healthy for you. Those different types of eating programs out there that are like, you can eat whatever you want, but let's stay in this range. Let's stay with these foods and see how we feel. That might be maybe something a little bit better for you. But Honestly, if you end up coming to the point of being restrictive, obsessive, it's probably not good for you to do any of those things. In fact, you should probably be more of an intuitive eater. Eat foods that make you feel good and kind of stick to that. If you have a a freaking half of a turkey sandwich and you feel good and your body adjusts well to it, then frick, eat a turkey sandwich. Like if you're not gluten intolerant, you don't have to have gluten-free bread, people. Like People who have like celiac and actually issues with gluten, they cannot have gluten. It makes them very, very sick. Gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy either. You know, there's like potato starch in there and sometimes that bothers people's stomach too. So being more of an intuitive eater, I think is going to be a healthier response to that. So how do we break the cycles of being obsessive? How do we start having a healthier relationship with our food. Well, the foundation, uh, the emotional foundation of that is anxiety. We have anxiety or we have this fear or stress around I'm going to get fat or I'm going to get sick or, um, you know, I have a lot of anxiety and, you know, if I don't eat really healthy, then my anxiety is going to go out the window. Now, again, this is the confusing part. There is truth behind your gut and anxiety. And I talked about this in a previous podcast. When we alkaline our systems and we eat well, our gut produces a lot of really good hormones and those hormones are released because you're in an alkaline state rather than an acidic state. So there is truth behind some of these theories when it comes to eating well and eating healthy, when we start to tackle orthorexia nervosa, we need to tackle the idea of not being perfect, the idea of what life will be like without anxiety, how to manage our anxiety. And I always say, when you're scared of something, y'all, grab it by the throat and be friends with it. Understand the reasons why. Pick fear apart. You know, I I work with certain clients that have said, you know, I feel fat. You can't feel fat, you guys. You have to replace fat with the emotion. I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. When we start to allow anxiety to kind of take over, the neurological system's response is dysmorphia. You're looking in the mirror and all of a sudden 
you generally feel like and look bigger than what you are. Your mind is a powerful thing, friends. Um, I say this in yoga classes too. You know, yoga means the union of mind and body. If we focus so much on the body, eating good food, working out all the time, we lose we lose traction of our minds. You know, getting in the routine of meditating in the morning or gratitude journaling or learning how to calm the vibrations down in your thoughts by taking a couple deep breaths. And sometimes that's not enough because you don't know how to do it. And that's the time to look into maybe a yoga class or taking class from a specific yoga teacher that you really feel comfortable with or working in energy work, whether that's Reiki or life coaching or a therapist or whatever it is that helps you and guides you down a path of having a better relationship with your anxiety. So the other, the other point that orthorexia tends to have is the perfectionism, wanting to be perfect, wanting to look perfect, wanting to perform perfectly. Oh my goodness, you guys. I can say I've had issues with perfectionism my whole life, and that's just the drive and the masculine energy that I tend to have in anything and everything that I do. But when it comes to food and being perfect, that is just a combination for disaster. You can be perfect for so long, and then you're going to fail because that's life and that's okay. We grow through challenges and failures, friends. But then we fail and we beat ourselves up or like with orthorexia nervosa, it ends up going from, okay, now I'm not perfect. I already fucked up. So I'm going to go and binge eat on this entire bag of chips and all these donuts because whatever, I already screwed up. And now I feel guilty and now it's starting into this whole other spiral down episode of another eating disorder. If this is hitting home for y'all and now we're like, man, so what do we do? How do we, how do we stop doing this? Or how do we have a better relationship with the idea of healthy eating or anxiety or perfectionism? Well, my friends, you have to start asking yourself, what am I scared of? Let's start to sprinkle some of those fear things into our life and invite them in and let's start having a better relationship with it. Why don't we stop labeling all of our foods as bad or good? Instead of having the label of junk food or bad food, why don't we label it treats or fun foods? And then why don't we start sprinkling it in our day where it's not consuming our day, but it's balanced and you still feel good afterwards. And what does that look like? So in the mornings, I always start my day with a big glass of water. If I have a lemon around, I'm going to put a lemon in it because I'm going to try to alkaline my system. And then I'm going to have my cup of coffee because I'm a coffee chick and there ain't no way I'm going to get rid of my coffee in the morning. And yes, it is acidic, but I'm balancing with the water. Um, so, okay, then you maybe have a green juice in the morning or you're doing your celery juice. Um, maybe you have a bowl of oatmeal afterwards or a big old smoothie. And for lunch, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have French fries today because I like French fries. And I've labeled French fries as bad foods for a long time. And I've always been scared of French fries because I think X, Y, and Z is going to happen if I eat them. So I'm going to have French fries. But with my French fries, I don't get like too freaked out. I'm going to have a big 
leafy green salad with it. And it will have fresh vegetables. I'll have avocado on it. That right there makes me feel comfortable and safe. And pairing that with my French fries, I know I'm going to be okay. Then in the afternoon, because we get that little energy crash around any, I don't know, between two and four, and that's when we're all grabbing for a cup of coffee. So instead of a cup of coffee or an energy drink, I'm going to go ahead and let myself have a real cookie. Not a gluten-free, dairy-free cookie, a real cookie. And I'm going to have a big, huge ice cream tea with it. I feel okay after that. So then we're trucking down our day. I feel really good. I don't feel guilty about this. And I'm going to have a big, beautiful dinner with a piece of salmon. And I'm going to have roasted vegetables with it. And I'm going to have some coconut jasmine rice on the side. I feel really good. And I feel satisfied. It's all going to digest really well. I'm putting in the energy into my food that this is okay. And then that night, I might have maybe a little bowl of ice cream. And that's going to be fine too. So you guys, you see what I did there? As I started walking through my day and balancing all of these foods that I've labeled fear foods before, I'm now pairing them with foods that I feel comfortable and safe with. And I'm putting energy into my food and I'm telling myself that this is okay. Our brains, our minds are so powerful. If we say we can't do something, the body's going to follow that thought and it's not going to happen. But if I tell myself, oh no, I can do this. My my physical body can do this. I'm going to be okay. I can do this. My mind's going to believe it. In my women's yoga retreats, we always do a workshop activity And I think it's important, especially as women, because we tend to tear ourselves down quite a bit um, with our looks, especially as we start to age, because frick, when we start aging, all this stuff starts to change in our bodies. And it's, it can be a little bit of a gut check, but there's certain practices we can do of acceptance and certain practices that we can do that start to change kind of like the thought process in our brain waves of how we react to ourselves. So one of these little activities we do on the women's yoga retreats is we do mirror gazing. So I have everyone take a mirror and I want you to look into that mirror for one to three minutes, which is freaking hard. And it is really emotional because when you get to sit and stare at yourself for a long period of time, like that's intimate and vulnerability, which is hard for some of us to experience or accept. And as you stare, most times your mind goes straight to the negative, goes to, oh, I hate my eyes, or I've got this scar on my face, or my eyes are wrinkly, or whatever it is you start ripping yourself apart on. And when we get done with the mirror exercise, I ask everyone, I'm like, what did you guys think? What did you guys think? What did you see? And most times it's something negative. So then I say, okay, I want you to take the three negative points that come out to you first. I want you to write them down. And then I want you to rewrite your story. Pick three words that are complete opposite of those three words. Those three things are your mantra. You're going to write them on a post-it note. You're going to stick them in your journal. You're going to stick them on your bathroom mirror. So you see that every single day. And you need to tell yourself every single day those three positive things. You guys, you'll start to believe it. You'll, this, this huge 
shield and burden that you carry of negativity and fear and perfectionism, whatever it is, will start to dissipate the more and more you practice self-care, self-love, self-growth. And it can be something as simple as just writing on a post-it note three positive things. And you can even transcend that into your orthorexia nervosa recovery. Pick three foods that scare the hell out of you. And go ahead and pick those three foods and start putting better energy and ideas around all of it. And then incorporate it, sprinkle it through your day or sprinkle it through your week. Maybe three days out of seven days a week, you put your fun foods in. So you start to learn how to have a better relationship with it. So y'all, orthorexia, I mean, it's, it's more common than we think. It's starting to come to the surface we have to catch ourselves, and I, I've, I'm definitely going to be one of those people. I'm that can be neurotic, like, oh my gosh, it's not organic. And yes, there is some facts and evidence behind not having organic foods, but do we have to be, like, you have to pick and choose your battles. The quality of life is not worth it, and having a day-to-day fear of not eating healthy or being perfect or having this obsession, like, Allow yourself to balance and to enjoy. And, you know, that's my motto um, with yoga, with my eating programs, with with my women's yoga retreats. I mean, shoot, y'all, that's what freaking this podcast is about. Green juice and tequila. It's about balancing both worlds together, having a relationship with both worlds. So I'm going to end this episode on that note. And I encourage those who do have a little bit maybe of an imbalanced relationship with healthy eating to try to do some of these activities we talked about on the episode today, you know, sprinkling in these um, fun foods throughout your day and, and starting to tackle more of the emotion under this umbrella of eating disorders. You know, I don't feel fat, but I feel overwhelmed and I know the practices of how to calm my nervous system down in order to not feel overwhelmed. And these three practices are, you know, me taking a deep breath or me turning on music or me going outside for a hot second. Um, I always quote uh, Tracy Ross because she's fucking awesome. I think she's so cool. Um, And I've said this on my Instagram a couple of times too. She's so funny. She's like, when I get into a state of panic or stress, or you get into that whole bubble of perfectionism, y'all. Do these three things. She says, wash your face, which we all know when we wash our face, we just feel freaking awesome afterwards. She goes, change your underwear. And then the last thing is go outside and stare at a tree. And I was, it was so relatable when she had posted that because I'm like, you know what? When we go outside and just take a deep breath and we take a moment to just observe, we don't even have time to look at a tree, let alone go outside for X amount of minutes and be in the sunshine or take a couple deep breaths. You're, just those three things, you guys, will shift the energy of whatever the crap you're going through right that, at that moment. You get out of it. So practice some of these things. And if you are struggling with eating disorders, friends, there's so many amazing outlets out there to help support you and love you and and guide you through this cycle and this break. There's so many more of us out there than you realize you're not alone. 
There's other, I mean, I have yet to meet a person that hasn't struggled with, you know, one or a couple of these different disorders. I think that we're all in this together. And of course, I'm always available to any and every one of y'all. Um, you can always message me through my Instagram, I'm Mel Yoga Mama, um, or, you know, reach out through my website at melofflerbachyoga.com. I would love to be able to help in any way that I can, whether it's through health coaching or giving you information on coming on one of my um, week-long women's yoga retreats. They are definitely a game changer and shift to your mental and emotional health as well. So friends, just know you are so loved. You're so supported. I'm so grateful that I have all of you listening. I hope this episode was informative and that we learned a little bit more and have some tools and takeaways um, to come out of this episode. And if you do struggle with orthorexia nervosa, go get help. Like have, go find a nutritionist or eating disorder therapist or a life coach, go get help. Have someone guide you through this. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed or hide this under a rug. It is so common. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Green Juice and Tequila. If you enjoy this episode, I've got lots more in the library. Please click and subscribe. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podcaster, and hopefully um, we'll have some more upcoming episodes around health and nutrition. This was a total green juice episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much, y'all. Bye. Mm-hmm.